Welcome to Blood Moon Milk. This is the astrology podcast that comes out every new and full moon. And on our full moons, we usually have a guest. And this month, we have Vanessa Shell, who is one of the most Virgoiest of Virgos I have ever met. And um, also a newly minted Ayurvedic digestion and nutritional consultant? lifestyle. I can't can't legally say nutrition. Oh, okay. actually, which we can get into. But. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, so let's talk a little bit about first of all what it's like to be a Virgo in today's world, where everything is really chaotic and kind of um, not always super concrete. And uh, I feel like things can come at you from every different direction all the time. And um, how that feels in your skin from your perspective. And then we can get into all that Ayurvedic stuff that's super interesting to me. Awesome. I appreciated in your New Moon podcast that you use the term Mad Hatter uh, with Virgos. I don't usually hear it phrased like that. Yeah. People tend to rely on the you know, perfectionistic, analytical aspects and make it seem the very dry and cold side. But every Virgo I know is like a little wiry, you know? <laughs> so <clears throat> I appreciated that description, but um, yeah, you know, also Virgos have the mutable thing going for them, so <laughs> I kind of feel like in Sorry, these... I'm laughing because my dog just like jumped into my lap and you're being so like, yes, baby. Um, yes. like prim and proper and like the, your Virgo like on point best and my dog being typical Gemini little like ball of energy just <laughs> is trying to steal the show sorry about that <laughs> but that's not unusual if you're in, in the nature in the blanket fort at my apartment <laughs> recording so <laughs> sorry about that <laughs> but continue yeah it's the mutable mutable aspect I think really um lends the the ability to change and kind of handle changing circumstances I feel like I'm good or best in emergencies. Interesting. I can think quickly and and just take charge and go for it. And um, and yeah, I mean, with with climate change and and all these kind of issues, I do feel like an inherent stress, like probably everyone does, but like a need to problem solve and and act on things like that. So. I think all of our hearts are bleeding a little bit. I'm sure Virgo's yeah. helpful nature feels feels that. Yeah, and especially as being an earth sign mm -hmm. and one that's so like connected with the the fruits of the earth. Mm -hmm. Um yeah, I'm I mean what's going on right now with the Amazon is pretty devastating and I I have some friends who like won't even talk about it, which is another way of dealing with things, but um, it's just overwhelming. Absolutely. And it's complicated, too, because it's not only, like, climate change related and, and you know, the magic and prayer angle is really powerful, but it's also, like, this government force that seems especially overwhelming, you know? Yeah. I, you know, I think um, I've talked about this a lot over this summer, but these this North Node and South Node um, alignment with Saturn and Pluto and Capricorn. It's this energy of the energy of the North and South node being really close to Saturn and Pluto and Capricorn, which are all about structural uh, systems like our governments, world governments and leadership. And it's also Pluto is the grim reaper. He's the one who comes along and 
with his scythe just takes away what is no longer supporting the best interest of people. Mm-hmm. Um, so I firmly believe that we are being shown these things because we, as a collective group, the collective we, are going to have to do something about it. There's, We're just going to reach a point where we're not going to be able to function as a society any longer by keeping our heads buried in the sand. Absolutely. I don't know how that's going to manifest yet, but literally, like, when we're not able to breathe anymore. I put a lot of faith in the Pluto and Capricorn generation, honestly. I'm, you know. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I I have to, like, um, look at people having babies right now, and everybody who is a friend of mine that's had a kid recently, I'm just like, you are so brave. And you are so hopeful. Like, Mm -hmm. it's a real, true... Um, hopeful act to have children in a climate like this, a political mm-hmm. climate like this. But then maybe I'm being sensationalist because, uh, you know, like you look back at history, nothing is ever has ever been like easy except for maybe in America post World War II. There was 20 years of relative economic prosperity and upward mobility for the middle class, but that was mm-hmm. an anomaly. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Most of history has been pretty dramatic and weird and various stages of turmoil. It's been struggling. Yeah. For quite a while. <laughs> yeah. I think we're all ready for a break. Right. <laughs> yeah. Um, but uh, so back to the mutable sign thing. I mean, uh, I think most, I don't have that many Virgos in my life. I have you, my grandmother, who is like such a virgo like like um you're like the youngest virgo like virgo i know and get along with and then she i mean she lives on a farm so like surrounded by the, the earth harvest woman yeah, yeah yeah and she has like devoted her life to caring for her family mm-hmm. um and so she, and so in a way and she's also like very kind of prudish and like if things aren't just exactly her way then yeah. everyone knows about it <laughs> And, like, you won't hear the end of it until it, she's satisfied that she, and she got her way. But it kind of actually helps to keep this crazy clan of people sort of on the right path. Because if we didn't have that, I don't think, I don't think we would survive. And that's what I think about it, too, seasonally, right? We're moving into the, the fall season where the weather changes dramatically and you are looking toward, you know fall and winter and having to prepare and plan and Mm -hmm. take stock and without that I mean you know you don't you don't survive the winter so yeah yeah you have to I think maybe um it's such a stark contrast to Leo energy which is all about like party look at me (laughs) and like this sort of like bold creativity that and just sort of wants to be in the center of the spotlight where Virgo is very practical and I think we really have a lot to thank for, like, on behalf of Virgo and Virgo energy, um, to, a lot to be grateful for, uh, mm-hmm. for their contribution to, you know, the collective we, mm-hmm. um, because, they, like, they are willing to do the things that are maybe not so flashy, like, Leo yeah, would never... Over, guys, it's time to go back to school. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and, like, Leo would never be caught dead, like, being a mailman or something, but we need sure. mailmen and other, not to say, like, mailmen are bad, but it's not, like, the glamorous spotlight job. Right. But it's, they're, um, they're, like, the, 
parts of the machine that are very um, fine-tuned and need to be fine-tuned to keep society running smoothly. Mm-hmm. And without them, we like the wheels just fall off. Totally. I think of the mutable energy as like the bridge that, you know, hmm. helps people get across from the, you know, fixed to fixed to change to cardinal yeah Mm -hmm. um yeah i mean i think mutable energy i'm still sort of because i'm a mutable sun sign as well Mm -hmm. and sagittarius Mm -hmm. um and i'm still kind of grappling with what that means for me um and i think the thing that i i found like kind of (laughs) like um funny and a, a little bit alarming was that uh it was like a reddit thread that i found that had all the signs of the like top serial killer, not top serial oh, killers. Oh yeah, I've seen that too. Yeah, and unfortunately, I was, yeah, and I was just we're like, in there. damn it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but also, like, I you know, I don't like put too much stock into um, what I refer to as like pop culture meme astrology. Sure, sure. Because it's not like qu- they're not quantifying that in any particular way. They're just who knows who's making that list. And it's still so sun sign focused. Yes. Like yeah. All of modern astrology history, you know? Yeah. And I, I want to get more into Vedic astrology at some mm-hmm. point, but I, I'm almost overwhelmed by it because there are people who have Vedic astrologers in their family for generations. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. it's such a rich history of it. That's just like kind of, frankly, it's just intimidating. Well, and it's so enculturated too, that, it's just very different from yeah from our life, you know? Yeah. I went to an Ayurvedic practitioner recently that incorporated Jyotish into um, his practice, you know, with correspondences with health and, and stuff, and it was very interesting, and I thought that maybe I could kind of see what he was seeing with my, you know, uh, novice like astrology interest and but it I was just you know it was complicated yeah yeah I mean it's super interesting and I I am curious but every time I sit down to study and try to like get my head around it I'm just like wow that's a lot okay well I've got a podcast right about other stuff right now and I'm like I um maybe one day you know it's definitely on my list because I I think that it can't be ignored I mean it's so rich and and there's so much there and anytime you are opening yourself up to a new perspective mm-hmm. of something um, that's a something that you're interested in, but a different take on it, you can only walk away learning more and more Absolutely. and more. Um, so, like that's that would be super interesting one day. Um, so, tell me a little bit about how you got into Ayurveda. Sure. Um, I grew up dancing my whole life, and um, at some point, kind of. Um, shied away from from that being like a career focus and I found yoga um, at some point because just being in my body was something that I knew and needed and um, you know started practicing every day and then my mercurial mind just like wanted to feast on on all things yoga so I was reading a lot and um, naturally just kind of came to Ayurveda. At that time, I was like 19, 20 and had never learned to cook for myself. And that was like a big driving force in in learning Ayurveda was, you know, just having to start literally from from scratch with with food and, um, 
you know, just finding like one habit or step at a time Mm -hmm. into that world that I could incorporate um, to kind of change what had been like a lifetime of fast food and canned food and, um, you know, just we, yeah, we are, my guts, we are from the South, mm-hmm. which is the home of Coca-Cola things I shouldn't say. On oh yeah. The no free sponsorship. Yeah. No, you. you guys don't get my money, my, my time. But, um, yeah, we're, we're in like what I think of as like weird corporate America hometown because there's so many big corporations here. Sure. Um, that like, it's it's weird to me. Even the way that feeds the dietetics industry. So mm-hmm. they do a lot of lobbying to those organizations so that no dietitians are going around telling you not to eat at, mm-hmm, you mm-hmm. know, XYZ, yeah. don't drink that can of whatever. Yeah. Um, and, you know, so that's, that's, kind of wild that they have so much influence like in schools and in nutrition organizations Um, and that's that's another thing that kind of kept me away from going down a traditional nutrition route was like it's bought and and paid for in a way not to knock that profession but um, you know it's definitely influenced like all the sciences are by by corporate interests so yeah Um, my grandfather was a doctor and my great-grandfather was a doctor and my great-great-grandfather was a doctor wow and um so you know like it was sort of expected of my family that we would like my dad would be a doctor but he didn't want to be a doctor mainly um because the industry changed so much Mm -hmm. um and he he's a medium and he's does his own stuff in his own way uh, you know, is into a lot of self-care, and I have a lot to thank because of him and his interest. Um, growing up, I probably wouldn't be where I am with my work as an astrologer, mm-hmm. and like put, have like feeling free to put my intention and my energy into that work mm-hmm. if it wasn't for his interest in the sort of esoteric and sort of the fringes of uh, you know what's mainstream, sure. and then definitely stepping way outside of that. Um, bravely and mm-hmm. um, not being afraid to do that but um, and you I, can't really help it right when you have an interest in like medicine and health and the body you kind of have to to question you know these cultural notions and mm-hmm. and see what else is is out there and what people have been practicing for a really long time Ayurveda has a steady tradition of practice for over 3,000 years yeah and you know the um, the history of of experience and observation to me is is richer than these like short term mm-hmm. lab controlled studies which also have their value mm-hmm. but you know thousands of years of observation and experience to me weighs a little heavier you know yeah no absolutely and uh astrology is sort of similar in right. a way because it's it goes back to the babylonian eras mm-hmm. and um that's thousands of years of people looking at movements in the sky and making observations about occurrences when certain planets meet up and do certain things in certain alignments. And um, it's the written history of our planet being a macrocosm or a microcosmic reflection of the macrocosmic universe Mm -hmm. Um, and just learning how to read those signs and interpret them to give us a heads up in our daily life. But I think maybe Ayurveda could do that for people on an individual basis with um, health 
stuff. Absolutely. I, I think, again, in, in changing times, too, Ayurveda um, takes into account so every nuance of an individual body, but also how that interacts with the environment and, you know, climate and weather. And That's um, awesome. Yeah, absolutely. And um, so one of the one of the core principles of Ayurveda is um, that like increases like and that opposites are antidotes for each other, right? So, um, yeah, I, I was actually, okay, so I was listening to another podcast today and they were talking about this yogi who had um, accidentally activated his kundalini Mm -hmm. through a a chakra that it wasn't supposed to go through Mm -hmm. I think it was his solar I forget the the Vedic name for it or the Sanskrit term for it but it was basically the sun chakra Mm -hmm. um, that it like it activated through and it felt like he was on fire internally for a really, really long time. So maybe the solar plexus. That's or um. It was or like it was like near his root chakra, but it was okay. like a different gate or something. And basically, it took him a while to figure out like, oh, he should open the lunar gate chakra. Okay. For to like balance out the heat, and it finally calmed him down on the inside after having. It was a crazy story, but like that was just the like takeaway, and um. So the balance, yeah, all the time, you know. Um, yeah, there are. Uh... So, I don't know a whole lot about uh, Ayurveda, but I do know. I'm a little bit sort of familiar with. There's like three different doshas, mm-hmm. um, but you can kind of be all three, sort of, or like, I, yeah. Can you explain that? Sure. So the the three doshas are their constitutional types. Mm-hmm. Um, and each of them comprises a set of qualities. So all three of them exist in a body and in nature in various forms or, um, or kind of processes in the body. And, um, but people do tend to have one predominant dosha or constitutional type and, and usually a secondary one. Rarely someone has a, a good balance of all three. Mm-hmm. But they're definitely all three present in, in a body. So. The three types are vata, pitta, and kapha. Vata is um, comprised of air and ether elements, and um, it's very light in a body. It might be uh, really long and lean. Also, you know, the airiness is really mental, quick mind, likes to travel, likes a lot of change. So almost mercurial in some ways. Exactly. Um, And... um, yeah, can tend also to be underweight, a little maybe malnourished, or doesn't have that kind of, you know, lively um, support. That would be an imbalance uh, in the vata dosha. Um, pitta is characterized by fire. Um, it's hot and sharp. Um, think of like stomach acid. Pitta mm. types tend to have a really strong digestive system, can kind of eat anything and... Um, you know, process that regularly. Um, also can tend to really strong emotions like uh, intense jealousy, intense grief, any any intense emotional experience. Also can overheat easily, get night sweats or, or just feel really hot in their body all the time. And then kapha is uh, represented by earth and water elements. Um, 
Kafa folks tend to be sturdy, um, you know, strong boned, but a little slower to move. Mm -hmm. They have like a rich voice, big eyes, very like loving, like there's like a motherly richness about Kafa types. Mm. I feel like in our in our culture of beauty standards, you know, uh, Vata is like some kind of special standard or something, but really Kafa represents so much, um, so much like, what am I trying to say? Strength and, and like padding almost. Mm. Like there's more like vitality and like if a Kafa person um, gets sick, they have like kind of more- Reserves, exactly. to, like more energy to expend to kind of help them heal without um, really becoming in danger of being underweight so severely that they struggle to heal from an illness. Exactly. So think about in winter, you know, in fall, our appetite kind of ramps up. Mm. We, like, <laughs> Mine does. Right. Yeah. <laughs> we put on some weight to like protect ourselves from the cold of winter. Mm-hmm. And if we don't have that, we are going to be more likely to catch the flu or, or something mm. like that. So, so that cough of nature is, you know, it's important. Yes. Yeah. I <laughs> love, you know, I love the richness of, of kapha. So, Vata Pitta Kapha. So, also in Ayurveda, um, there have been identified 20 qualities, or they're also called gunas, um, that are present in everything in nature. Um, so, each dosha is made up of a combination of those qualities. So, the qualities are in pairs of opposites. So, you have hot and cold, oily and dry, sharp and dull. Mm. Um, and when sharp you... and dull that's an interesting one mm-hmm. so is that like a mental quality or is that a physical one as it well? can totally be a mental quality um also when you think of food um or or even metabolism might be a, a better example um you know sharp is is gonna be kind of like faster and and quicker more pointed and um dull is like slow and and heavier so um so um, if somebody were to come to you, mm-hmm. like how would you approach um, working with them? So there's, um, I, I've just finished a course like you mentioned in, in mm-hmm. the beginning. Um, they have a great intake quiz on their website at joyfulbelly.com. Oh, nice. Um, I'll plug them. Um, and it can be really interesting just for self-reflection to, to fill that out and, and kind of see what your patterns and habits are like. and and how that influences how you're feeling and, um, you know, how what you're eating influences how you're pooping, you know. Yeah. Simple, simple stuff that you can get laid out in front of you. So I would ask someone to fill that out first, and then we get, like, a big picture of, of a lot of things, and we start to look for patterns within that of, um, you know, if, if they're presenting some kind of problem that they want help with, and mm-hmm. um, we just look for where the patterns are. So we always treat the dosha first. So if we see an imbalance in pizza dosha, for example, if we see a lot of signs, like maybe say they have eczema, so a skin flare-up mm. of redness, right? Um, and they're experiencing night sweats, and um, maybe they are very thirsty. Um, you know, we would look at those, and then we would use lifestyle and um, lifestyle first, herbs and nutrition second, mm-hmm. to kind of work out that pattern and. Awesome. And bring that into balance, yeah. That's so interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, do you have any interesting stories about like people who have 
gotten treatment and then like how it has affected or positive like positively or negatively um their just take on the the thought process sure i mean i'm i feel most comfortable speaking about my own experience sure, and yeah. and Please. i can say um you know with every step in in the direction of living an ayurvedic lifestyle i see how just very small changes can make a big difference. For example, the difference between waking up at 9 a.m. versus waking up at 6 a.m. and getting out of bed right then. Yeah. Waking up with the sun, like, I feel tremendous, like, surge of energy if I can force myself to get out of the bed, mm, you know, first yeah, thing in the morning, right? Yeah, always the trick. Lingering the in the bed will just, like, slow <sighs> your whole day down. Yep. And, um, but, you know, getting up, greeting the day with, with something positive or, um, you know, a prayer or an affirmation or, or whatever feels right, exactly, Mm -hmm. um, can, can really kickstart your metabolism and frame your whole day. So that is kind of in a nutshell what the larger journey is like, right? Mm -hmm. Getting a good start in the morning, making that one change. Yeah. And, you know, maybe you don't have any other habits that you incorporate through the whole day but that one change can really set your day off in a different direction I could see that I Mm -hmm. mean so I'm currently off of work because I I you know as on my last episode I said I'm I took a new job but I haven't started it yet so I've got some time and I'm really trying to reflect on uh what it is I want to be and and like how I want like what kinds of habits I want to have mm-hmm. um and who I would feel healthy being you know mm-hmm. um so far I haven't really made any major major changes I've just kind of started thinking about it which is the first step sure. right um but uh your habits create your life that's what you become you yeah know? and and routine is really foundationally important in Ayurveda as well we kind of especially vata types or mercurial types don't really like routine they say your mind hates routine your body thrives on routine mm. um, even something as simple as having the same meal times every day your stomach acid and your digestive enzymes start to memorize when the food is supposed to be coming that's when they fire up that's when your digestion is going to be the strongest i had no idea they did that that's crazy but mm-hmm. it makes sense because they're a like there's a bacterial biome down there right and they would get hungry exactly and i would get hungry and the circadian rhythm thing is really you know strong you know the heat of the day in the middle of the day 10 to 2 right Mm -hmm. in ayurveda we say that the largest meal should be in the middle of the day it's the pitta time of day the sun is high it's hot your digestive fire is also hot so you have the most digestive capacity in the middle of the day to eat a big meal Culturally, most of us eat a huge dinner. We kind of like, you know, pick our way through breakfast and lunch or whatever, try to eat a big dinner, and then like want to fall asleep because mm-hmm. all of our energy goes into our digestive tract, and, yep. and yeah. that's that's done. That's one thing I have kind of changed is uh, I, I'm not a big breakfast person. It always sort of makes me want to crawl back in bed and be a lazy little like bump on a log with my little dog (laughs) and just lay around but 
if I have a big lunch and I don't really want dinner, mm-hmm. like I'll do, or I'll just like want something little or just like nibble on something, mm-hmm. or I'm fine just having like a beer and some water, like with have like meet up for drinks with friends and not really get hungry. Sure. Um, and soup is a great mm, yeah, dinner option. I do love soup. Yeah, yeah, it's light. It gives you a little bit of nutrition. It hydrates you, mm. and um, yeah, it you know doesn't make you wanna pass out or yeah take up too much of your digestive capacity overnight so it's a good idea big soup for dinner fan or it's like the idea of a smoothie it's like soup in a mm-hmm. glass right <laughs> um have you thought about and i mean i don't know how much you know or have looked into um uh chinese medicine mm-hmm. at all but just like to see like what kinds of crossovers there might be culturally have- between Ayurveda and uh, traditional Chinese medicine. Absolutely, I have a, a really vague familiarity with with um, with TCM, mm-hmm. and um, but my teacher <clears throat> John Immel, wonderful teacher, has done I think quite a bit of studying into it, and um, was good about during our course drawing parallels between the two, or interesting, or you know pointing out the correspondences. So the systems are are named pretty differently, like. Um, uh, they're named more after the organ mm-hmm. systems in in traditional Chinese medicine, um, and I really can't speak too much on it. But they there are definitely correspondences. But I think the um, you know the herbal tradition and and the way they classify the elements is is a little bit different, yeah. and it's also a little bit less intuitive for me. That may be because I came to Ayurveda from a yogic background and mm-hmm. from reading a lot into yogic philosophy, so I was already kind of putting my mind in that world. Yeah. Um, so Interesting. that's what I can say about that, yeah. Yeah, no, I, um, I'm a big believer in uh, just looking at where there are intersections across cultures mm-hmm. of things that work like whether or not there's different names for it mm-hmm. um, almost doesn't matter because you know like Eskimos have a hundred words for the for snow exactly you know but um, that doesn't mean that they like don't also appreciate like warm weather right you know but and don't have words for it but um, or don't experience a, some sort of phenomena and have a tradition that is relevant to a, a tribe or um a civilization that did, never saw snow but mm-hmm. also had similar practices to treat something that was a human condition of some exactly. sort so i think that's like what i am drawn to when i look at the the occult traditions and i mean not that ayurveda is an occult tradition but mm-hmm. in the west it's definitely like outside of what we would consider the mainstream absolutely um and but in india it is their mainstream i would say or it was right um like until not long ago right um and so i'm always curious to see like how things like what it is that exists that we don't know re- like people have been concurrently coming f- and dealing with uh, intersectionally across cultures without contact. Absolutely. I mean, yeah, I think the elemental now, um, philosophy speaks to that mm-hmm. quite a lot. You mm-hmm. know, everyone's origin stories, from you know what I've read in, in my experience, are are element um, element based stories. So I think that alone kind of 
says a lot about um, about what people have come to observe, you know, just about about nature. Ayurveda literally means in Sanskrit life wisdom. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I've I've just found that it, I can map it onto onto things so intuitively, and you know, my intuition says that there's there's truth in this. Just you know what I'm saying? Yeah. I think it's really important that people know that there's an alternative out there to the medical industrial complex mm-hmm. that's supported by insurance companies, that's dictated by governments. Of course, that stuff is helpful, and thank God for Western medical science. It's mm-hmm. really advanced and helped save a lot of people's lives and has definitely increased the quality of people's lives over time, and I'm not knocking it. Um, but I think that there's also value and just knowing history and options and stuff that people did before this version of things Mm -hmm. that may still be relevant and may still be helpful and could be less invasive and more holistically positive um, to experience instead of just taking a pill Maybe it is just getting up in the morning or starting starting with something small and then building good habits on top of that. Right. And and even to to interface with medical science in the most productive way, it's really important to learn to self-reflect and listen to what's happening with your body, try to note cause and effect, try to pinpoint different feelings because the more information you can present to a medical doctor should you need that service, the more helpful medicine is going to be for you. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, um, it's. I think that maybe women are slightly better at that than men just because we are on this sort of biological rhythm where we notice, like we're forced to notice these ebbs and flows in our bodies because we have a menstrual cycle Mm -hmm. and we, we just have this natural, like, cycle of feeling stronger feeling healthier and more outgoing sometimes than other times sort of needing to like turn inwards and reflect and noticing how our bodies feel mm-hmm. at our weakest times of the month when we are low in iron and possibly like oxygen in our blood if we're not getting what we need sure yeah that um you know it's a blessing mm-hmm. to have that cleansing cycle every month mm-hmm. It may account for why women on average live longer than men um, because we, we kind of get that extra cleansing boost every month. Yeah, we're um, flushing out those toxins. Mm-hmm. Um, and, oh, that same, uh, like, crazy story I heard about that guy and his kundalini, um, like... like Mishap. Ex- yeah, yeah. <laughs> it was, like, it was this crazy story. But um, basically, he felt like he was sort of enlightened through this experience, but also had like didn't know anything. He was just like, th- like things are weird, and it's crazy how weird they are, and we know nothing. But also, right, going through a health crisis can kind of wake you up to to that. You yeah. know that maybe you have something that's been going on for a long time that you you know refuse to notice or or just haven't had the sensitivity to notice, and then suddenly you know, you are, are very sick about it and you have to kind of confront that and, and follow that thread back to, oh yeah back to an ultimate source, hopefully. And, it, and you know, it's, I think like ultimately whenever we're not, our, the thing that we should all be most grateful for is our health mm-hmm. every single time, because without that, it's really hard to have much of anything else. Um, and it's also the thing that we, I think, maybe take for granted the most as mm-hmm. well, because when everything is great, 
it's sort of invisible, mm-hmm. you know, like you're just like floating along, la la la, everything's lovely, whatever. But then like something comes along and uh, it could be a little thing or it could be a major thing, you know. I Anytime I get my nose gets stuffed up in the wintertime, if uh-huh. that ever happens, I am like, I can't wait to breathe again, you know. <laughs> oh, I'm, yeah. I'm going to do so. I'm going to sniff everything or whatever, you know. <laughs> It's just you you realize what you're you're missing when you're missing your senses or when yeah. you're missing your full health. Oh yeah, and you know, just uh yesterday, um I threw my back out. Mm-hmm. Um I was on my way to yoga and I bent over to pick up my water bottle and I just like felt it go and it just I I was like, "Oh my god, I hope I didn't slip a disc or something." And mm-hmm. I did go to yoga in excruciating pain and try to work through it and I went to see the chiropractor the next the following morning and the whole time I was like in this pain I was like oh my god oh my god like and just internalizing like and I was like the spine is so important it holds all of us together like literally is like the thing that we're built around Mm -hmm. um and I was so like so appreciative when you know I have Dr. Amy uh, King, who's been on the show before, actually, she's an excellent chiropractor. She saved my, she saved me this morning, yeah. um, and so thank you for that. But uh, yeah, I mean, it can, it really can just be like the littlest thing that comes along and just like unexpectedly puts things back into perspective for you. Absolutely, especially I think of people living with chronic health conditions that yeah. are are battling with these things every day and. Um, you know, with questionable access to medical care, just the importance of, of first of all trying to hear what's going on. You know, healthcare is a human right, mm-hmm. <laughs> plain and simple. Like we all, if we are in this world and alive, we should have the right to affordable, clean, safe healthcare, mm-hmm. and that can come in lots of forms, but. We have that right. And anybody who wants to, like, obviously people should get paid for their services so they can live a healthy life as well. But people who, like, buy drug companies and then, like, jack up the price of life-saving drugs for people, there's a, there's, that's, like, really bad karma. Like, at the least. (laughs) Like, that's just, that's just mean. Sorry. (laughs) Right. Yeah, the Martin Shkreli incident is, um, and he's not the only one. There's lots though, of them, too. You know? right? Absolutely. Yeah. He bought like he bought some album, like Wu Tang. Yes, yep. Wu Tang Clans, mm-hmm. and it was like the only recording of it or something. Yeah, he's you know, yeah. I think he's got a bent. He's there, he's on he's onto something. I can't say one way or another. But. Yeah. Anyway, I don't want to talk about him anymore. <laughs> Fuck that dude. But um. <laughs> Yeah, it's a human right, and I think that um, whether it's looking at herbalism or tinctures or using medicine, like food as medicine mm-hmm. to cure what ails you, which I think that is sort of a big part of Ayurveda. Absolutely. Um, I think that like this all ties into how we can be a more mindful society, because mm-hmm. if we're being mindful about how we're eating our food, how we're preparing our food, how it's growing, and who we are in the world as we move around. Mm-hmm. Um, we can't help but to gain empathy for ethics. Mm-hmm. And I think 
we need that and we need to be able to stand up for what is ethically correct Mm -hmm. and not cause harm to others and the planet right a lot of times in in our culture our cravings are are kind of skewed so kind of manufactured exactly and and so we don't crave things that are actually in our better interest or or good for our health and this can be you know food as an example um but it can also go to other stretches like Mm -hmm. things that we buy and um, oh, I mean, consumer Relationships goods. that we have. And, yeah. you know, um, so so getting in touch with, with what, what our true feelings are on a physical level, on an emotional level, um, can help us make better decisions that are healthier for us. And then that health radiates to people in our lives mm-hmm. and to the environment at large. I mean, it really is, you know, a, a kind of a clockwork system and... Uh, here's my Virgo talking. <laughs> no, it's great. No, I love it. Um, and I think that, uh, I think food is a, I think if things are going to change in this world, it's going to have to start with food. Mm-hmm. I, that is what I'm starting to sense and realize. And I'm not exactly sure how yet, but, and it, I see people doing it. I see people like, going and uh like there's lots of local farmers markets around here Mm -hmm. um, which is a great start but i think it's also going to be bigger than that like where people are going to have to start growing something of their own at home and people always have yeah until now Mm -hmm. and we're sort of i see these big because you can't grow cocoa puffs or whatever (laughs) (laughs) and if you can i mean that's a little little scary a little bit. <laughs> I mean you can grow a cocoa cocoa puffs don't grow on trees they don't no but cocoa pods do <laughs> right yeah but um <laughs> yeah like we have this uh society built upon convenience that's built upon having to get to work and feed this like multinational industrial complex mm-hmm. and but if we start if everybody in the neighborhood started growing like one thing and each person had a different thing to grow. Mm-hmm. Everyone could swap and share. Absolutely. And those simple steps mm-hmm. is another, you know, core core element of Ayurveda. Just taking, simplifying things and just doing the one thing at a time that you can incorporate with ease. And, you know, something as simple, right, as growing having an herb box mm-hmm. so that you can have that bit of freshness in your day. Even wild herbs that grow in everyone's yards, familiarizing mm-hmm. yourself with... Dandelions, one of them. Right. Just familiarizing yourself with the uses of, of the things that are growing right in your front yard that you may not get to spend enough time with, you know? Which yeah. Is so do you have any suggestions for people, um, like herbs that they might know not know about or... Uh, like just th- little ways that people could get started. You already mentioned um, waking up with the sun or eating a, a meal at noon. Mm-hmm. Um, but what are some other ones? Maybe herbs or... Sure. Springtime is ultimate yard herb season. And, um, and as soon as you see some of these herbs coming up in your yard, just grab a little bit, put them in your salad. Some of them, chickweed is like my favorite all-time herb really um i have to try that one I, that's not one i'm uh, i've heard of it but i haven't uh like used it in anything it's pretty easy to identify you can look up pictures there is one false false chickweed but 
I think anyone with a keen eye can can tell the difference yeah. between between the, the two um, plants. But. Well, we're heading into fall. Do you have anything that's sort of fall specific that right. people could uh, maybe put to use sooner rather than later? So moving into fall, um, the weather changes really drastically from being super hot and humid to drying out a bit. It gets cooler and windier. And after all of that um, sweating in the summertime, kind of losing electrolytes, then drier weather, cold diuresis, which is when your vessels constrict, mm-hmm. and to get rid of the extra um, like water quality in the blood, you pee more. Mm-hmm. So you're kind of like, you're setting yourself up for, for dehydration in the fall. Sure. Sorry, take me back again. Oh, so in the fall, one great thing. Yes. Um, One helpful thing in the fall to keep yourself hydrated is what we call Ayurvedic Gatorade. So warm water, pinch of salt, squeeze a lime. The sours in the lime are um, help help secretions. So, you know, when you eat something sour, you start to salivate. Mm -hmm. So you get that moisture throughout your digestive tract. So that helps you... um, helps you stay moist and the salt helps you hold on to moisture um you know the electrolyte quality of of salt and so that is a great way to start your day you can do that half an hour before meals to get nice and moisturized but hydrating in the fall is is a critical moment and it's also something that's really easy to do i mean you don't have to have anything special it doesn't um, you don't have to go to some store that you don't understand the stuff, uh, like the language and things, which can be a barrier for some folk. Mm-hmm. You can just use stuff you probably already have around your house. That's really helpful. Simple home remedies are, are awesome and abundant in Ayurveda. So, um, also grapes during this time of year, they help kind of cool off that, that extra heat we've accumulated from a long summer. Mm. And they're also really hydrating. Um, just don't feed them to your doggies. Don't let the dogs eat the grapeies. Yeah. Um, but frozen grapes are awesome. I keep a bag of grapes in my freezer and then just like... I love frozen grapes. frozen grapes. Oh, boy. That would... I, I could go for some of those right now. Right? Yeah. So, I mean, I feel... Thank you so much for being on the show. I feel like um, you've really kind of helped us put some of the Virgo stuff into perspective in a mm-hmm. nice way that it's not all about being a control freak. And I think that uh, that's like the one thing we like to say in jest as astrologers mm-hmm. everybody has like a, a quick like little quip about each sign and what they're into or what they're like um and I, I know a lot of astrologers really give Virgos a hard time for being control freaks and I I want to say like well maybe that's fun on the surface but there's more to it and there's a real depth of character there that is really sort of beautiful and helps us survive and I know at least in the structure of my personal family like keeps uh, a lot of crazy idiots kind of <laughs> in the straight and narrow more or less yep. um, so I <laughs> am super grateful to Virgo energy even though it's sort of difficult for me to comprehend and understand and I love that you've been able to join us and just talk about your love and your passion of Ayurveda and give us some tips on how to prepare ourselves for that upcoming change in the weather absolutely Thank you so much for having me. I also wanted to offer your listeners $10 off of an initial consult if you mentioned that you've heard us on Blood Moon Milk. Excellent. Um, Where might they find you? Yes, you can find me by email, 
amanitasnack at gmail.com. That's A-M-A-N-I-T-A snack at gmail. Um, also on Instagram at amanita underscore snack. Perfect. And if anybody like didn't catch that, they can you can message me at Blood Moon Milk and I will put you in touch. Awesome. All right. Thanks so much. Thank you. All right. That's it for this episode of Blood Moon Milk. I'll see you next time for the next new moon. It's all about Libra. See you then.